Episode 378, I am Chris Featherstone. This is the Pancakes and Power Slam Show. We are live and in living color, getting funky like a monkey, if you will, baby, yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we got so much to cover today. I got a uh, extensive interview with uh, Wild Bill Irwin to talk about Dark Side of the Ring. We still wanna, I still wanted to bring someone on f- uh, to talk about the Dark Side of the Ring series. Um, so I have an interview that I'm going to play for you all of Wild Bill Irwin, ladies and gentlemen. A blast from the past. <laughs> Wild Bill Irwin. I keep telling you guys I love doing this. I love bringing back old school people who will give you road story after road story after road story. Uh, so we're going to uh, I'm going to bring on uh, Wild Bill Irwin. Um, enjoy the interview. After that, uh, we got Stomping Grounds uh, recap. We have, um, we have uh, of course, Raw and SmackDown. Uh, we also have um, uh, the big uh, war going on between Seth Rollins and Will Ospreay. Yikes. Uh, that's really crazy. Uh, of course, ha- ask your ask Chris questions on uh, the PNP chat, the best chat room in- on the planet. Uh, ask them on the PNP chat with the hashtag Ask Chris. I will address them after the interview. Uh, so, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to bring on uh, the interview with Wild Bill Ehrman. And the flavor of the week is going to be um, the five worst years of pro wrestling history <laughs> so we've been experiencing uh record lows over the past couple of years and so we're going to do the uh five best years 
And uh, but today we're going to do the five worst years in pro wrestling history. All right. So without further delay, gentlemen, enjoy the interview with Wild Bill Irwin, and we'll be back on the other side. Uh, I had a really uh, I had an interest to talk to this person even before the Dark Side of the Ring series came out. And even more uh, now since the Dark Side of the Ring series came out, um, you know, I've been talking a lot about this show and just uh, people's thoughts of uh, wrestlers' thoughts of, you know, who were were a part of it, actual a, a part of the, uh, the, the, the wrestling around the time and especially, you know, had conversations and had relationships with the people. Now, one of the biggest... Uh, and most controversial and, and, and tragic parts of the Dark Side of the Ring in this pro wrestling history is the Von Erich curse. And so uh, we've talked about the Von Erich curse before. We've had we've had a guest talk about it before, but we have another guest tonight. Uh, he's had experience in NWA. He's had experience in World Class, Global Wrestling Federation, and of course the WWE. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I bring on the show tonight Wild Bill Irwin. How are you tonight, sir? All right. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's great to have I'm, you on the show tonight. Well, thank you for uh, having me. You know, I'm sitting up here in northern Minnesota. I finally got some sunny days and some heat, and the grass is growing. You got to mow, and you got to be doing your outdoor stuff. So, Yeah. I'm doing good. Absolutely awesome. So what 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 does Bill Irwin do nowadays? I know that you've been away from the wrestling uh, business for quite some time now, and uh, what what do you do? Well, I actually what I do now is I drive uh, charter buses. Oh, nice! Uh, you know, big charter buses for athletic teams, for you know, high school sports, college sports pro sports, all that kind of stuff. And basically, you know, if uh, some little old ladies just want to go to the casino and they rent the, uh, rent the charter bus, they might get Wild Bill. <laughs> nice. That seems like a pretty yeah. uh, pretty cool job, uh, especially. Well, you know, it's it's so much, it's so much just like it, like being on the road. I've been on the road from since 1977, you know, mm -hmm. and always every day you're running somewhere, going someplace. But now I don't got to get beat up and take bumps. I there just got to go. drive them there <laughs> right. and turn around and come back. <laughs> right. So you're you're so. very very familiar over 40 years of being on the road. So I'm sure you know mm -hmm. town to town like the back of your hand. And now you do it without, like you said, without taking bumps. So you don't have to worry. about Yeah, without getting, I don't got to get beat up anymore. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I got to get beat up. Right. So, so let's talk about yeah. your time uh, in in wrestling. I know that uh, you know just from a historical standpoint, just from a, a career perspective standpoint, a lot of people know who Bill Irwin is. Um, my my interest is. Just from your particular perspective, your particular opinion, what part of your wrestling career, of course, uh, you know, the, the NWA territories, world class in the 80s, uh, global in the 90s, uh, you know, WWE in the mid-90s, what is your favorite part of your pro, pro wrestling career and why? Oh, God. I don't know. I really enjoy, you know, uh, there's probably two or three different times, but I really enjoyed when I first went into Atlanta, uh, when I first broke in would have been, geez, I think it's the beginning of 78. Mm. 
Tommy Rich was there, you know, uh, uh, Sergeant Jacques Goulet was just uh, coming out of Atlanta. You know, Ole was getting into the book where they still worked down at the old roller skating rink. Uh, that was where the office was. Uh, you know, that there for that about, about nine months, I ran with Tommy Rich and Tony Atlas and all these uh, people. Uh, and we were all young. We all had a really good time. It was uh, a very good time. I mean, and you learned a lot because uh, only worked, uh, you know, you worked about 10 times a week. You know, you worked twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday mm-hmm. on the weekends. Uh, you know, sometimes three times on Saturday because you might do the morning TV. You go to Columbus at midday and then you do a night show. So you do about three times a day. Yeah. Uh, you know. So you were learning and running the roads with, uh, you know, Tommy and I, I'm actually a little older than Tommy, but, uh, you know, we were good friends, uh, back then still are. And, uh, we had a lot of running. The, the free birds were there. Mm-hmm. God, you know, yeah. I can't even think there was the Kelly twins. I don't even know if you know who the Kelly twins were. <laughs> uh, there was, there was just a lot of people there and it was, it was a really good time. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, for me at that time and then I don't know I guess if I was to try to qualify where's the next best time ah, you know God, there was a lot of good times <laughs> places that I remember Kansas City is where I met Brody uh, so you know then I went to Japan with Brody and all those times and those were fun and uh, God I was up in Calgary with uh, Davy Boy Smith and Dynamite Kid when they were before they who everybody knows who as the British Bulldogs they were up there and of course all the Hearts were there and uh, you know uh, that was that was crazy but then I went down into Texas and like I said Texas I that's of one of the places uh, you know you usually in those days you didn't stay anywhere that long you know you were on the road I mean all the time and. I've moved as many as eight times in a year because you're just jumping, you know, jumping, jumping. You're moving the back of your car. You ain't got furniture. You just got clothes. But once I went into it too, down into it, uh, to Kansas city, into Texas with Gary Hart and all of that and the Von Erickson, it was starting to get hot down there. And then the Freebirds came in and that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, I spent like three years there. Yeah. And so, you know, I was about the same age as uh, David. Carrie's a little bit younger. Kevin's a little bit older, you know. Mm-hmm. Mike was younger, and so was Chris. Chris, yeah. So it was like, you know, all those guys were all about the same age. We all got along. We had fun. And, you know, Gary was good at what uh, the booking of it all. Had Kabuki and brought in the other guys, uh, you know from japan so it was uh that was another learning uh territory for three years where they started they you know they liked you know it's it's all it's very political every any sport is political Mm -hmm. if they don't like you you're not gonna play Mm -hmm. i don't care what sport you want to talk about it's political if they don't like you or if you piss people off in the locker room or they just, you know, you're not going to play. Why? Because you piss people off in the locker room. They don't like you. You're not playing. Get out of here. Go find another team. Now, did you and experience I'm sure that I've, at all? 
Because I know you were in Continental, what? you were in you, you were in you know Georgia Championship Wrestling, world class. Were you? This is you know seventy late seventies early eighties. Were there was there a particular uh, promotion that you work with that you felt like you were un, you know that you weren't utilized to your potential? Oh Lord, not. Jeez, uh, I guess really about the only one I really get around to, uh, you know, is uh, the WWE. I really never got into. I was there for about five, seven months with the goon. Mm-hmm. The goon character was kind of, I think a lot of people liked it because a lot of people still remember it and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think they quite knew where to go with it, what to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know. And so I think it just kind of, you know, it kind of fizzled. But do I think they disliked me? No. If I, they disliked me, well, they, they'd have never brought me in. Mm-hmm. So. Now you mentioned- I really can't say there was anywhere where I felt they brought me in and then, you know, didn't use me or decided. No, I never. No, no. Uh-uh. Now, you mentioned uh, working with Brody in Kansas uh, City. Well, uh working with Brody and then the Von Erics in Texas and also, uh, you know, Hart in, in, in Calgary for Stampede. Now those are three, those are three people who were featured in the, uh, the, the series of, um, the dark side of the ring, also world-class, Gino Hernandez. Now, what are your specific, you know, experiences, which with each of them individually, let's start with Brody. Brody, <laughs> I don't have anything bad to say about Brody. I don't know this dark side of the ring. I don't know what they're trying to get to there, other than maybe get someone to watch the show for, you know, putting title on it that might intrigue people. But uh, dark side of the ring, you know, as far as Brody goes, Brody was Brody. I've always said Brody was a very nice man, and. Uh, very intelligent, very nice man. He was to me anyway. If he did not like you or you didn't respect, you were going to get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was nothing about him that was, uh, you know, the only time that he was really going to be, uh, what can I say, mean to you or overly obnoxious or anything like that is when it's in the situation of the performance or who he was or what was going on. In everyday life, you know, uh, I never had a problem with him. I never saw him speak really oddly or harshly to somebody, not a fan, anything like that, you know. But when it was time to play the game, once you're into the character and you're doing the stuff, I seen him scatter gymnasiums. Mm -hmm. We'd be going to the ring. I remember one particular instance. This one pretty much might make you realize what you've got when you're looking at Brody. He used to run to the ring, go to the ring, and he'd swing the chains and scatter. When they come out of the dressing rooms, I used to go with him, and we'd do tag teams. And, you know, here we go. All right. Brody bursts through the door, and he goes. And he don't walk down the aisle and follow people, right? Mm -hmm. He cleared his own path. We'd burst through the door. He's swinging the chains going, ah, and the people are scattering, right? Yep. They all sit on the floor with their feet, their legs crossed, their shoes next to them, right? 
And we come out, we're bursting through this gymnasium going and we turn and we go in at the ring and it's all screaming. I'm out there. I'm cracking the whip, just following him. Boom. He's clearing people. People are, kids are scattering. Adults are getting up and running out of the way and dead in the middle on our, on our way to the ring is a little old Japanese lady had to be a hundred and she's looking big eyed. All the people are just scattered and left her, and they're all like, ah, Brody's storming right at her. Ah. He went right around her, never touched her, never winked, <laughs> never even blinked, and went right on to the ring, and I followed right on around him. Didn't touch her, didn't nothing. Left her completely alone, and she just kind of sat there and looked at him like, oh, my God. And then, you know, whoosh, right by, into the ring we went. But that was him. He would no more. He'd have beat you up if you'd have touched that lady. Yeah, for sure. He'd have beat the dog shit out of me if I'd have bumped into that lady or if I'd have made the mistake of, you know, not realizing, go around. (laughs) Because he went right around her, right in the ring, never, never phased him, nothing. But that's it. He was not, you know, he was not a mean bully guy. I don't you know. Maybe some people think, oh, you're ruining, but uh, no. No, he was a very intelligent guy. I liked him. I always did. I met him in Kansas City with uh, Brian St. John. I don't know. You probably don't know who Brian St. John is because he was gone a long time ago. Mm. <clears throat> but he's not gone, but he quit the industry. Uh, you know, and so, yeah, Brody, loved him. Now, Had how nothing familiar but good you, things to say about him. How familiar are you, are you with the conflict that he had with uh, Jose Gonzalez? You know, that thing down in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. right? Yep. All I know, all I, all I know is what I've been told, and I've sat and talked with Tony Atlas on it. He's told me the whole nine yards, what he saw, and all of that kind of stuff. So I, I really know nothing firsthand. I wasn't there. I, all I could do is repeat what someone might have told me and I might be getting it wrong. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I know that the only thing I was told really that I know is I don't even know it. I was just told is that, you know, he was kind of getting into the office down there and I don't know. I think maybe there was some things going a different direction that he wanted. And, uh, you know, he maybe wanted to want it out. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really do not know because again, I wasn't there, Yeah. you know, now you you do have firsthand experience working with the Von Erichs when you were in war class. Um, yeah. What, what's your experience working with uh, the Von Erichs? Well, the Von Erichs were really great. They were really. It was. I went in there. I went in with uh, you know. I think Scott, my older brother, got me into Gary Hart, and I went down. I started working down there. I went in as Bill Irwin in, in, uh, you know, wrestling tights and boots. And, uh, I knew, I, you know, basically David's age and really hadn't met him that much. But when we did meet, you know, he's a tall, redheaded goofball, just like me. Right. We were about the same. So we, we've hit it off Carrie and Kevin and all the, the kids. We, we, I got along really well with them cause I was really basically the same age. Mm-hmm. Right. So when we ran the roads, we did the same things. And, uh, so when I went in there, I'd go to the ring and, you know, work my wild bill or the style I was working in, uh, Bronco Lubitsch, uh, 
said, you know, oh God, he's such, he's so crazy in the ring. We should come up with a name for him. And I don't know, somebody came up with, well, what about Wild Bill? And boom, that was it, Wild Bill. And when Wild Bill becomes your name, that's when you segued off into, I started kind of going to the Western theme with the whips and the ropes and the bags and the boots and the stuff like that. Yeah. So I got all that from Fritz von Erich and uh, Bronco Lubitsch and working down there. Wow. And you also, so, yeah, I, <clears throat> you also teamed up with another big man in world-class, Bundy, right? You had the tag titles together in, in uh, NWA. Yeah, you know, Bundy, well, Bundy, Gary Hart, if I'm remembering right, brought Bundy or saw Bundy up when he first broke in and he brought him down there. He brought him into Dallas. Yeah. And the first guy Bundy's working with is me. I'm in there. I think I'm the, uh, I think I was a, the, uh, what, what do you call it? TV. I was a TV, uh, champ, mm-hmm. you know? And what they did was they brought Bundy in they sat him out in the crowd. And of course, Bundy would run his mouth at me being, Oh, I'm a tough guy. You know, even just being the, uh, kind of a baby face in the, in the audience, uh, antagonist to me and then as it went along obviously you know he says well and we finally you know get in the ring i think one time i was leaving the ring and had some uh uh, blood on me and i took my hand i wiped my forehead and i looked at him and i wiped my hand on his shirt and walked away and then you know eventually he got in the ring we had all kinds of matches you know that's how he was brought into texas yeah. Yeah. And then then after a while they switched him heel and then yeah, then it came around and we worked together, but I worked against him too. So. Yeah. Now, when you were t- when you two were teaming together, uh you guys faced Carrie and Kevin, you know, uh, a number of times. Now, how was it working with uh, Carrie and Kevin. I know that Kevin was just, you know, the the ultimate acrobat. You know, barefoot, bare feet, uh, and Kevin and Carrie was just, you know, a, a big ball of charisma. Um, now, backstage, you know, how was it working with the Von Eric boys? I, I it was easy. I don't know. There wasn't, uh, you know. Uh, that's where the thing was. They trusted me. They knew, I knew what I was doing. So we didn't have to worry too much. Mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, I knew Kevin, I knew Kevin was going to always make sure there's a comeback and they're going to get those. Carrie, Carrie was easy to work with him, you know, go back and forth. You could get some heat on him, and, you know, you'd give him the comeback. Kevin was one more that you get some heat on him, but he was always trying to fight back a little bit. Well, wait a minute, Kevin, just, just always, you know, kind of fighting back. Like uh, I could, you could almost feel him hearing his dad say, no, 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 come on. You can't be down uh, whatever, you know, but no, I had no problem working with any of them. Uh, Carrie, Kevin was, like I said, just a little bit more of a ball of fire. You kind of got and had to stay on top of him more yeah. to keep him down. You know what I mean? You couldn't, you couldn't give him a bump and think he's going to lay there for a couple minutes while you go sashaying with the crowd out there, you know, yelling obscenities or some stupid thing like that. Cause he's not, he's going to be, he's going to lay there for a second and he's going to be coming back up. So you had to stay on him. 
Mm-hmm. Carrie might, you know, go on with the cell a little bit longer. But either one of them, they were both great in the ring. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I didn't on, have a problem. Now, based on your experience working with the Von Erichs, you know, of course, you know, you, you work with the Von Erichs firsthand, and, of course, the Von Erich curse is, like I said, one of the most tragic, you know, stories of professional wrestling history with Kevin being the only one, you know, still with us. Yeah. Based on based on your experience of this uh, of just you know communicating with the Von Erichs, I mean, why do you think that their paths led that way? I mean, of course you travel with David. Of course you you understand you know exactly. There, there's different theories as far as David of why you know he had his stomach issues. Uh, you know, Chris, Carrie, uh, and and um, and Mike, you know, committing suicide. Based on your experience with the Von Erichs, why do you think just it, it ended so tragically for them? Well, <laughs> that's a that's a double-edged sword. There, you know, I I think with, well, I think one of the reasons is basically they were, you know, they were Fritz's kids. He was a big wig in the area, big money, lived up in nothing, lived up in uh, Lake Dallas. They were famous throughout the town, right? They had the money and the power, and well, I don't know how much real power, but they were famous, even in high school and stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, God, the stories I've heard was, you know, I hate to speak ill of anybody, but uh, Mrs. Von Erich, when she was young, I think I've heard stories that, uh, you know, she would have to slip them one of mommy's little pills just to calm them down, you know. Uh, what were they called? Valiums back in the day, way back. I don't know this. I'm just something I've, that's what I'm saying. It's kind of a double-edged sword for you to ask me these questions and for me to try and explain what I think because I don't really, you know. But anyway, my point is that in the long run, not that they were spoiled brats, because they really weren't, but did they really have to work for everything they got? Well, mm, you know, not that hard, mm. right? Carrie went to the top pretty easy. Kevin, David, David went to the top because he was the best one in the ring and the one that had the brains for the business. Kevin, well, he went there because he was the oldest one. There was an old one older that died really early. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Kevin, Kevin's Kevin, he married his wife early and, uh, you know, he was, uh, kind of the, a hippie in the years, you know, before everything got going, but you know, Kevin was fine. And then just what really brought him to a downfall. I can't understand the the suicidal part of it. I know what happened with Carrie, Carrie, you know, Carrie got into a little bit of the, uh, and, you know, got himself in trouble a couple of times and then got busted again. He thought he was going to jail and he thought it was over. So he ended it, which was sad because he wouldn't have gone. Even if he did go, he'd have lived through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, then you go to Mike. Well, Mike, Mike was out partying a whole weekend or something, you know, 
again, might have been doing things they shouldn't be. But again, I wasn't with him. I don't know. But these are the stories that was told. And then he went in to have his shoulder done, right? Like the next day mm-hmm. after partying hard for a couple of days. And then I go in there and what happens is he comes up with that toxic shock or something. Mm-hmm. And so he almost dies from a shoulder operation, right? Yep. And when he comes back, well, he's not the same. Right. He's not the same guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just wasn't. And uh, he was kind of reserved and quiet. He just wasn't the same kid when he came back after the toxic shock. And after that, I don't know, you know, what, what possessed him to, you know, zip himself up in a, in a, a sleeping bag and take a bunch of quaaludes under a bush in one of the parks. I don't know. I couldn't tell you that, you know, other than maybe he was depressed and, you know, never recovered from the toxic shock. I cannot speak to, you know, why that I know Chris, you know, I worked with Chris a little bit. He was getting into the business. Chris's problem. He was small. He had uh, asthma. He never grew like the other boys. He didn't get big. He always want, he would he would have loved to have been able to get into wrestling, but he wasn't big enough, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, you can be small and be in, but I mean, he was fairly small. So, you know, he wanted in. It just it wasn't working uh, that well. And uh, again, why would you take a you know? A nine mil to your head. I don't know. Yeah, it seemed so like there was so uh, much pressure with Chris. Like, it just seems like it was really large shoes to fill. And the Well, he wanted Chris. to fill them. Yeah. He, yeah. he wanted, yeah, that's what he wanted. He wanted to fill those shoes, but he physically couldn't. Yeah, exactly. And so he was like, you know, stuck, I guess. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what to say, you know. Wow. Well, my last question for you, Bill, is uh, you, you mentioned the goon, and I definitely want to talk about that uh, real quick. Just uh, uh, who who was the mastermind behind the goon? Of course, like I said, you you well established before you got to WWE. You've been wrestling for almost twenty years before you went to the WWE. Uh, where did where did the goon come from? Who came up with the idea? Uh, well. Yeah. For this was that was this was all around ninety five, ninety four, ninety five, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm in Texas. The Texas end of the world is kind of calming down. New York is taking off. All everybody's running to New York, and of course, I want to go, mm-hmm. right? And this and is right who, after who is your time at Global, right? What's that? This is right after your time at Global, right? Pretty much, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and. uh and Bruce Pritchard's out there running, you know, or doing a lot of the booking and the talent and that kind of stuff. And Bruce and I were, uh, were friends and speaking. And so I was calling him trying to get in. And, you know, finally one day he says, well, he says, well, what would you do if, if you got here? Well, I mean, what, what are you thinking? And really, I wasn't thinking nothing. You know, I'm just thinking just try to get in there and, you know, start work and go from somewhere. But I just instantly I'm on the phone with him, I'm going, well, you know, 
you've had every other sports person come through baseball players, football players, you know, all this kind of stuff, but you've never had a hockey player. Hmm. I said, and I, you know, I played hockey in college and that's what I left from college hockey down to Charlotte and started down there with Scott and then started running. And he went, Oh, that's interesting. Oh, what are you thinking? And again, (laughs) I'm just going, you know, now that he's asking me, I'm coming up with stuff. And this was the time when, you know, there's all kinds of character gimmicks and different stuff. And I says, well, you know, I says, we could take the hockey player and he could be, you know, kicked out of all the leagues for beating up the superstars and all that kind of stuff. Because during that time, that was when Gretzky was still really big. And, you know, uh, some of those, but nobody touched Gretzky, but they beat up Bobby Orr and, you know, things like that. You see it anyway. So I told him, I says, you know, I've been thrown out of all the leagues and I can come in. I tell you what, I could wrestle in just like hockey gear. Because if I can go out and skate for an hour, and run into the boards, fall down, get up, go here, go there. I can wrestle 20 minutes in that gear. Yeah. And so he goes, oh, so, you know, and then that, that course there's, and then I think he, he kind of took that idea and went and talked to Vince and Vince came up with the name, the goon. <laughs> right. And I, they came back and said, yeah, Vince liked it. He wants to call you the goon. And I said, well, okay. He goes, well, no, what are you gonna? You gonna wrestle in that? What are you gonna? What are you gonna use for boots? I says, well, we'll get some skates. We'll take off the the toques and the blades, right? And we'll put that crepe sole on. We'll taper it down so it looks like it comes down to a skate. Yeah. And I'll go in those. Oh. So out I went one day, and they went and we bought. They bought all the stuff, and we went and bought skates. They and then they sent the skates to the shoemaker and had it made. And, uh, I still have them, Wow. you know? And so, yeah. So then it was just into the ring. And I think, you know, I had the elbow pads, pants, uh, knee pads, everything mm-hmm. took the stick, you know, the whole nine yards and go in there. And I think, I think a lot of people liked it again. A lot of people didn't know, Oh, what are we going to do with this? You know? And yeah. so I, uh, I don't know. So it, it just seems like. To, to, as a fan, I remember as a fan at that time. It just seems like the I remember you before you went to WWE, and it just seemed like the gimmick was kind of DOA because I remember, like I think you lost to like Mark Merrow and Raw, and then you were feuding with Wyndham for a little bit, and uh, I think Flash Funk, and I think the Undertaker uh, uh, beat you, and it just didn't seem yeah. like there was a. I mean, I think Jake even like Jake. Uh, um, during his time, I think it was like 97 when, when Jake beat you. And it just seemed like their WWE didn't have, uh, it, it just seemed like they didn't have a game plan for it. Well, and, that's, a, that's exactly what I'm saying is yeah. they brought in this character. They also brought in, uh, Oh, par, uh, Parto down in, out of, Alex Parto as uh, oh, yeah, Pug the or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They brought in they brought in uh, Dirty White Boy as the plumber. Yeah, Tony. Right. Yep. They brought in what's his name? Uh, oh, Davis or something. But they brought him in as an Italian mafia guy. Right. Mm. They were all character gimmicks. 
Yep. That I think they thought they were thinking it's let's try character gimmicks again. And when they did, they didn't know how they didn't know how to book it or run it. Yeah. You know, the ideas of what to do with the guys, uh, they didn't have somebody with the, the ability to, to go there and think of, wow, what can we do? You know, you know, I tried to tell them stuff when, you know, like right now, you know, this time of year, the Stanley cup is coming on and, you know, it started right. Well, when I was there with the goon, the Stanley cup was starting. I says, yeah, geez, go f- play off the Stanley cup. And, you know, I'm going crazy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah they, so I just think, you know, they brought him in and then, uh, I don't think, and none of the guys of the five, whatever there was that they brought in at that time got over mm. none of them. Yeah, so. that's un- unfortunate. I think you're right as far as it just seemed like there was just an oversaturation of kind of like extreme characters, and it just didn't seem like they really had a, a direction for yeah. really any of them. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. So, so you came back in 2001 for the Gimmick Battle Royal. Uh, yeah. Who, who came up with uh, – did Pritchard give you a call about that too? Yeah, they just called me back for that, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When they're going to have the gimmick battle royal, well, you got to have the goon. I mean, what bigger gimmick is there, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ, you got you know. And, you know, the kids all like the goon, the character, that kind of stuff. I think it probably could have maybe if you switched them baby face. But, you know, ifs and buts were gin and nuts. What can you say? You know, you had yeah. the opportunity. You were there. You had some fun with it, uh, you know. Yeah. I'm not complaining. How was it uh, coming back? Uh, what you know? What three years later for for that? And a lot of people, uh, myself included, would say that WrestleMania 17 is the greatest WrestleMania of all time. And you know, you had a chance to be a part of that. I mean, of course, the yeah. Battle Royal was. Um, you know, it was it was uh, comedy. You know, it, it, it was the comedy portion of the the night. But yeah, still, comedy. Yeah. A little comic relief between the beginning and the end of the show, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you still had a chance to be a part of it, so you know that's definitely yeah. something you can put on your resume for sure. So, yeah. Bill, so. it's been a pleasure, man. I, I appreciate you well, uh, talking on the phone with me, and uh, I really, yeah, really no appreciate problem. your time. It's a, you know I know that uh, you you you're living life outside of WWE, and and you don't you know you don't do many interviews, and so I, I feel privileged myself that I had an opportunity to, to, to interview you. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, I guess, uh, if people are asking, I usually answer, I'll answer their questions, you know, yeah. can they find yeah, you anywhere on social media or anything? What's that? Can they find you? Can, can they find you anywhere on social media or anything? Oh, I have a Facebook page. It's just under wild bill Irwin, okay. you know, but right. I, do I, I'm, am I a big poster? Not at all. You know, if you wanted to get in touch with me, you could come, you could go that way. All right. Uh, you know, uh, so I'm just, I'm up here in Northern Minnesota. I'm getting too old to stay up here. I'm looking to head back South. So maybe if someone 
somebody in the South is booking and they want an old timer to come along and uh, crack a whip and scare people or sign autographs, <laughs> I'm available because I need to get out of this cold weather for Christ's sake up here <laughs> well, in northern Minnesota. Well, I'm in Ohio, so it's it's you know it's yeah, hot well. and cold here too. So we we yeah we enjoy our seasons for real too. So I I, I yeah. agree. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I love Ohio though. I don't see myself ever ever leaving Ohio because I appreciate the I appreciate the change in seasons. Like I know people. Yeah. Florida, I've been to Florida before, and I, I just I can't ever see myself moving to Florida. It just I like sixty degree well, weather. No, it's just too hot. No. <laughs> yeah. Florida, Florida, Florida's got a couple of problems. The heat's just one of them. But right, I'd love to go back south. I'd love to get back to Texas back to uh you know even colorado something like that okay just got it yeah well uh, i have a pretty large uh listener base and so if anybody's promoting uh that in any of book me kid book me get me booked yeah (laughs) message him on facebook uh message him on facebook wild bull Irvin, and hopefully uh much success to you man uh good uh best wishes driving those uh driving those people around and, and sharing some stories that's it. That's it. If you see a big bus, if you see a big bus creeping up your ass, get out of the way. <laughs> that might is. be me. Uh oh. Right. Beware. Have a good night. All Thanks right, man. Long, man. Take care. Bye bye. All right, Wild Bill Urban, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yeah, Mo, that's funny because uh, he once he, he he slipped a couple times. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, let's jump right into it, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you uh, all enjoyed the interview with Wild Bear Urban, a blast from the past. Got some trivia questions for you. First one is, what stable did Savio Vega lead in WWE? What stable did Savio Vega lead in WWE? Before we get to the headlines, I want to uh, give a shout out to uh, the sponsor for uh, tonight is the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Uh, the wrestling, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, they feature uh, shows covering NXT, uh, WWE, WWE, uh, WCW, and soon AEW. They currently have uh, shows reviewing WCW Nitro. Every WrestleMania, as well as weekly shows covering NXT and the WWE product. They have uh, many special episodes reviewing special events, such as the Mae Young Classic, uh, the WWE Sunday Night Heat, and other pay-per-views. All of their other episodes are available on RundownWrestling.com. That's RundownWrestling.com, R-U-N-D-O-W-N, Wrestling.com as well as iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. They're currently running a hottest male talent tournament, and we'll also have a hottest independent female tournament in August. Once again, that's Rundown Wrestling Podcast, and the rundownwrestling.com is where to go for more information. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump right into the uh, headlines. Without further ado, um, what's going on, everybody? See that the PNP chat is lit. Um, got some newbies. Welcome uh, to the, the the PNP Nation. Thank you for uh, your contribution. I'm excited about uh, your contribution. As you know, this is a PG chat, PG show. 
Um, and we're going to have a lot of fun as we do always. We got some uh, Seth Rollins and <laughs> Will Ospreay to talk about. <laughs> Interesting. Um, let's. Uh, I think there's an Ask Chris question. Am I going to see uh, Fighter Fest? Um, probably. I probably will. Uh, let's see uh, what else we have here with the Ask Chris questions. What's going on, everybody? All right. Uh, Los Briquas is the correct answer. Good job. Uh, yes. Yes, PG Podcast. What's going on, Ryan? What's up, Lexi, Mo, uh, and everybody in between? GHP is in the house. Uh, Evan's in the house. Kyle's in the house. Eli's in the house. Jose, Tammy, Lee, Kimbo, Jacob, Cody. What's up, everybody? It's uh, good to have you on the PNP Nation tonight, tonight, as uh, the Book of Man, Book of T would say. All right, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the co-host with the most, Evan Tech Proud, is in the house. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. It's survey time. <laughs> it is. My man Bill slipped up. Yeah, the right. pancakes and power slams. Yep. Podcast went from G to PG thirteen. Yes, my man Bill. That he is. That he is. Bill's a good dude, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So good. Cool people. Just watch the old. I'm staying awake, you know. Monday night, all kind of still a to some old Ric Flair promos. Some old Ric Flair promos? Nice. <laughs> yes. Nice. Not for tea in my eye. All right. I look at an old promo with Flair. Flair called Hogan. Thunder the lips. With the lips. You can't say lips. Thunder the lips. They call him like that. <laughs> nice. What a tear in my eye. This is the Tear in my eye. Did I? <laughs> Flair always yells your name on team. Hogan, Vader, <laughs> Bret Hart, Sting, Wyndham, <laughs> Roma. Well, he ain't never yelled Roma's name out. I'm sorry. No. Probably got a name. Right. Holy Rice, Nikita Koloff, Barry Wyndham, Magnum TA. Well, man, gang. <laughs> Nature Boy, Buddy Rogers. Right. Fred Von Eric. All of them. Even you, Bill Landale. Buddy Landale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an old yeller. You don't call me old yeller. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy Landale, ladies and gentlemen. What did y'all think of Buddy the Landale. nature boy, uh, Buddy Bill Landale? Dundee. Yeah. Lance Russell. Right. <laughs> Lance Fred Russell. Lance Russell, everybody in, in every... Every era of time, eating his soul, and like Kevin Bacon, six six degrees of uh, bacon. Yes, uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yep. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yep. Flair is six degrees of flair. Yep. Anybody. Six degrees of anybody, Kevin Bacon. man. Absolutely. Glue says. Right. Great on you. 
Oh, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's uh, jump right into the headlines. Without further ado, you know what time it is. Here we go. Right, and as soon as uh, the headline music uh, ended, we got the Ask Chris question from Lexi. Uh, of course, asking the Lexi best questions. Uh, with the rumors of mid-card talent such as Rusev turning down WWE contracts, which is actually one of the uh, headlines. that It seems like, I think I've said this before, it seems like Lexi always asks a question, like her first question, maybe She's second. It's always addressing a headline. That's how good of a question asker Lexi is. Um, Lexi, Lexi Express. With the, with the rumors the of mid-card talent such as Rusev turning down WWE contracts, do you really see AEW capitalizing on the unrest or where wrestlers find themselves losing, quote, losing opportunities? Excellent question as always. Um, now here's the here's the deal with that, and, and actually we'll um, <clears throat> we'll just jump right into to Rusev. We were going to talk about uh, start with Rollins and Osprey. We'll, we'll jump right into Rusev. So Rusev's contracts are expiring in the, uh, expiring in the fall, um, according to Meltzer. He asked for a leave of absence, and uh, he's unhappy with the company, and WWE could possibly be freezing. Um, his uh, his contract because of that, um, you know, as we saw with uh, Luke Harper, they're freezing his contract until 2020, unfortunately. Um, so they froze Neville's contract too. So WWE uh, very petty, <laughs> um, sadly, uh, very petty move to freeze people's contracts because they're unhappy. How about if you have a uh, list of people who are unhappy, uh, why don't you uh, pay attention to a overwhelming majority of both fans and many wrestlers talk about how, how, how unhappy they are with the company and maybe make some changes. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, sure. Here's, here's the thing. Um, AEW should avoid this like the plague. They should avoid uh, trying to acquire every ex-WWE person. Yes, they still do get paid, Mo. Um, their contracts are frozen, but they do still get paid. But uh, as we saw with Rhino, Rhino, he didn't even want to renew his contract because he was unhappy. Like He wasn't being used. So he said he'd rather get a huge cut and go out and wrestle in the indies and help indie stars than to stay with the WWE and not get booked. Um, Cody said, I really don't mind him freezing contracts. If I sign my name on something, agreeing to those terms, I expect to fulfill those terms. But here's, I I can definitely see your point there, Cody, but here's the thing. and And I say this all the time. And even Chris Jericho made reference of this. Listen, stop calling them independent contractors. Like if, if you have, if you have a contract, so here's here's the deal. If someone hires me as a, because um, I'm, I'm a certified life coach. So if someone hires me as a life coach for, uh, you know, six sessions, 
if they go and just uh, start acting crazy and uh, you know doing uh, some some possible uh, harmful stuff, saying some uh, intent to harm is what it's called. You know, listen, I can I have every right to uh, terminate just like they do. If I'm not going to continue sessions if they if they do something that's harmful or say something that's harmful or do something that is de- is is worthy to terminate a contract. And so um even if I'm you know especially if I'm called an independent contractor. Now I agree Cody that people um I, I do agree that people do have a term for a contract. Absolutely. But I've said this before. Okay, if you hire me to um, as an independent contractor, if you hire me as a as a construction worker to spend uh, 18 months on this project and I sign it and we're good to go. Absolutely. I it is it is my job to fulfill the duties of that contract, which is to um, to work on your, you know, to work on your uh, um to work on your project, uh, to, to work on uh, your house for 18 months. Now, here's the deal. Here's here's the, the perk as an independent contractor. Yes, I am doing work for WWE, their house, but I also have Ring of Honor's house over here, too, that me, as an independent contractor, can go and and sign another contract somewhere. And that's and that's that's the the perk of an independent contractor. I'm not exclusive to anyone, um, and if I'm in, I'm working independently. <laughs> so uh, that's the thing about WWE. They're 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 doing the independent contractors. A, a lot of us know why because they don't don't want to you know have benefits and insurance and all that good stuff. They're naming you know their, their employees, quote unquote employees, are called independent contractors, but. I, I said this, if if you're independent, be uh, allow them to be independent because with the, under the WWE, you can't tweet certain things, you can't say certain things, you can't do certain things, you can't act a certain way, you can't be on this interview, you have to uh, clear uh, everything in WWE before you get here, go here, say this, do that. It's That's not... <laughs> that's not acting working independently now if i okay so if i if i do get hired to say you know to work on this house now this person is going to say okay i want you if i'm an interior designer and someone says okay i want this room black now if i paint it red that's a that's a breach on my end because i agreed to say uh i'm going to paint this black but at the same time uh, I'm not agreeing to not go to somebody else's house <laughs> to paint their wall black, uh, to paint their wall red, if they want their wall red. That's the independent contractor. So, you know, don't call yourself an independent contractor if you're saying, okay, if you sign the dotted line, you can't say this, you can't do this. Everything has to be cleared through through us. And I'll talk to several current WWE stars on the phone and that I still have good relationships with 
Uh, one of them's actually a champion right now uh, in WWE. And um, talked on the phone, had a conversation, and they're like, man, everything needs to be clear with WWE as far as, you know, having an actual yeah. interview now. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. I, I get, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to um, uh, compromise their job because, you know, they're making a living and, and mm-hmm. I'm all for that. But everything has to be cleared to the WWE. So, yeah, GSP, you have to start reading the fine point. Uh, yeah, you're an independent contractor, but you're not. <laughs> you are yeah. not independent, ladies and gentlemen. Um, more Ask Chris questions. Uh, the leader says, uh, what do you think about this? I think, uh, Seth Rollins and Becky should go heel, uh, and start them a stable. They no. can co-lead it. It should be called no. Seth and the Lynch mob. <laughs> no, no. It, see, the no. thing is, it's not necessarily about face or heel turns. It's about booking the baby face and the heel correctly. So that's, I mean, that's the thing. It's not because people, we we've gotten so conditioned to believe that oh that person should just turn face oh that person should just turn heel let's think let's think about this for a second Hulk Hogan was the biggest baby face for ten years before he turned heel and he was heel from what ninety six to what August of uh, ninety nine is when uh, uh, Shivani yeah. did the Hulk Hogan he's back yeah. <laughs> that's uh, I think that was I think this that was August of 99. <laughs> uh, turns baby face. I think it was an episode of Nitro 1999. Of course. Yeah, it was Nitro um, uh, I, th- I, th- I think it was 99. Yeah, I think it, it was, was 99. I'm almost positive it was 99. It, it but, was 99. Uh, yeah, because they did a finger poke of doom in 99. Yeah, it was 99. Yep. 99, August of 99 um, uh, episode of Monday Night Show, yep. So he was uh, babyface for, I mean, he was he was heel for, he was babyface for, what, 10 years of his career, 10 solid, 11 years. He was the biggest babyface for 11 years. And then he turned heel, made a big, he, he made a big uh, effect and an impact as a heel because he was babyface for 11 years. He was the biggest name in pro wrestling as a babyface for 11 years. Now, just imagine if he would have flip-flopped from babyface to heel within those 11 years, the 96 turn wouldn't be as... It would not It would be a fraction of what it uh, has been over... I mean, that's the biggest yeah. heel turn ever. Not because Hogan was flip-flopping from heel to face... But he was the top baby face for 11 years. He was the biggest name for 11 years. And so those are the things. That, I mean, look at Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat was never a heel. Never a heel. You know, Mysterio was a heel for a hiccup when he was with the uh, Filthy Animals. But he's been, you know, a career baby face. You know what I mean? So, you know, it, it, it was still... You have to understand what your bread and butter is with 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 the guy. What your what your guys like? Like when Bret Hart turned heel in '97, he was such a huge babyface for so long. You know, when he broke away from the Hart Foundation, 
He was healed for a long time, for a number of years, clawed and scratched his way up, Intercontinental Championship, 90-91 time, 92 won the World Championship, was a solid babyface for a long time. And then, you know, uh, 96 was, you know, him and Michaels. And for a good solid six, seven years, but you know, uh, um, Bret Hart was a solid babyface. And you know he turned heel because he uh, he turned heel because he was uh, a very pro Canadian and he felt like he wasn't getting respect in the states after being a babyface for that long. Now that's how you build characters. You don't just flip flop everybody from face to heel because they're boy, you know, because they're uh, getting boring. And so, and that's the reason. And to be honest with you, this is one thing I will say about the WWE. This is uh, one of the reasons why I'm really liking what they're doing with Kofi Kingston. I will I will give the WWE that. Um, they're having him be like the, the, the champion's champion, winning matches, defying odds. He's being a pure babyface, and I, and I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, uh, I think with, with Rusev, at this point it's like A.W., uh, I don't know if Rusev will be a good fit for AEW, perhaps New Japan, but for some reason I just don't see Rusev as a good fit for AEW. Because um, he's more he's more gimmicky. He's more character. I mean, he's 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 solid in the ring for sure, but I don't know. Just uh, to me, Rusev AEW just don't fit. And what, like I said, what AEW don't want to do is they don't just want to be like the new TNA or the new WCW and just and just what? gather all of the ex WWE guys and say, okay, we'll give you checks, and then they're in the same position as WWE. Like, okay, you're upset because I don't know how to book you. We don't have time in this program to book you, and now everybody's upset again, but at a different place. So you have to be you have to be careful with that stuff. Yeah. I mean, Rusev is, excuse me, just to clarify, <clears throat> Rusev didn't ask for time off. WWE sent him home. Uh, his contract does end up, does end, end, does end in about the early part of the year. Him and Lana's contract is about six to eight months apart uh, from each other. Yeah, well, there's conflicting so, reports because uh, Melcher said that uh, he did request some time off. So there's yeah I got yeah I, I got reports. this one yeah yeah um, I got this one with and somebody in E the resort didn't really ask for time off uh did WWE just sent him home he's not ha- happy he did not uh sign the five year contract so he didn't sign yeah. so we will see what happens in the early game and plus yep. AEW they're looking for newer people they're looking for youth. They're on a youth movement. Right. We said it's it good. Right. There is no point in bringing them to AEW. He would be well at RH. He would be well in New Japan, even at Impact. But, I mean. Yeah. And like you said, the whole. The impact. Whole, I can see Impact. Whole, I can see Rusev and Impact. Yeah, yeah. Impact, New Japan. And like you said, the whole um, Riders and Becky thing, they don't need to be held. No. Uh, it, it's hard to be held when you have everyone, whatever his catchphrase means, burn what down. I don't know. But 
Suplex City, man. I keep telling you this, man. You you, you get too young to forget that. You burned Suplex City to the ground. That's where Burn It Down came from. But no one knows that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they do. Like that, we know it. When, no, what, what he said, the burn it down came from when he kept saying, "I'm gonna." When he was feuding with Lesnar, he said, "I'm gonna burn. I'm gonna burn Soplex City to the ground." Like he kept, he kept saying that, and so that's where uh, that's where burn it down came from. Yeah, uh, Lexi's well, okay, asking. So uh, that, go ahead. Yeah, that's the definition. But if you got the crowd chanting it, you can't turn him heel. You know what I mean? You got yeah. Becky, you know, they got this new power team, like the, we talked about this off the air, Chris, about the Elizabeth Savage thing. Mm-hmm. You can't turn them heel. And, and WWE's no. team to Becky up with Seth because they noticed Becky was on the main event of Raw and, and whenever Becky's been on TV, the Ravens is pretty been pretty up. Mm-hmm. He's really there to help out Seth, but Seth's there to help her out. Yeah, yep. No, no one needs to see a heel Seth again. I agree. You don't need to see that. Yeah, and the plus, and again, is you know, if and I say this all the time, if, if the point of you turning someone heels for them to be liked, you're missing the point. <laughs> you don't turn someone heel to be liked. That's the reason why a lot of people are saying turn Roman heel. I agree. If you if the point of turning Roman heel is to make him even more hated, but certain people are like, well, we don't like Roman because he's been shoved down our throats. But if you turn him heel, though, then we are talking. No, that's that just that's counterproductive. You're missing the point. You don't no, turn no, no, someone no, no. heel for them to be liked. That right. doesn't make them a heel. Um, Lex is asking, do you feel that the wrestlers are starting to believe their own, quote, hype, meaning these and other scenarios have been influenced by these inflated contract offers and, quote, promises of stardom? Great question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there, I think that there's some justification in that, um, believing in their own hype. Now, some people can, some people are more than believe their hype more than they should. That's for sure. But for yeah, so yeah. long, you had the WWE, a lot of times to, and Ryb, you know, I think Ryback said this one of his shows, as far as like triple H was told him that the WWE is purposely um, like holding down stars so they don't transcend the business anymore. Um, you know, outside of, outside of Cena, uh, he was like Cena's the last person to, to transcend the business and they want to keep people in the WWE. That's what, you know, was said by him. And I can, I, we see that. I mean, that's uh, people, the, the star power and stars aren't being built anymore. And that's why you having to bring Taker in. And we'll talk about that, which I actually am I'm fine with for this. And, I, and I'm going to give you a scenario of why I think that, that was a really good move. But any other time, I, I keep saying, I, I, again, I'm, I'm lowering my standards because I, I'm still very clear Taker should have retired at WrestleMania 28. I'm still, I still am very clear about that. Now, since he's been here, he hasn't done much other than put Roman over. But at the same time, at the end of the day, um, he came back. So, you know, Evan and I was there in Orlando. We said, okay, well, this is the best WrestleMania ever. This beats 17 if Undertaker doesn't come back. 
If it if he does come back, it's no longer. He came back and he just ruined <laughs> the potentially. I mean, 30, 33 was such a solid show. It was. A, I mean, people y'all should watch it. Y'all should watch thirty three again. You had the Hardys coming back. You had with the ladder yeah, match. Yeah. You had uh, Jericho Owens, yeah. which was a solid match, but McMahon didn't like it. I can understand because there were some expectations that weren't necessarily met. Um, you had uh, Goldberg and Lesnar, which was very hard hitting. It was really good. Shane and uh, and AJ, which was much better than people expected. There, it was a really solid show. Um, what else did you have? Uh, you know, of course, Reigns and Taker. Uh, speaking of Ambrose, he was booked into a really uh, bad spot. I think it was him and Corbin for the Intercontinental title yeah, in the pre-show. Uh, so that was yeah. <laughs> that wasn't very good, but yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, uh, the uh, uh, Naomi winning uh, the SmackDown title that was a big moment for her. Uh, I think Bailey uh, uh, retaining the Raw title. I believe that it was a really solid show. Um, but I mean, at the same time, you you don't get much of those anymore. You know, and, the, and we're going to be talking about stomping grounds here uh, real quick. But yeah, I mean, it's it's. People should people there's some people it can it can cause them to get to a point where they're over selling themselves. But at the same time, for so long, WWE has really deflated a lot of people's confidence and make does, you know, and make them in a spot where you don't realize how good you are. You know, and, and and unfortunately, I think EC 3s in that spot. Now, I've never been, you know, maybe in an unpopular opinion, opinion alert. I've never been an EC three guy, um, but I I do realize that he was a star in in Impact Wrestling, um, and I think that he was brought up too too early. I think he could have been a huge star in NXT, but I don't understand why they called him up. I think that was a bad move. Um, yeah, Kimbo said uh, 33 was one of the best manias in the past decade. Absolutely agree with that. Um, all right, so I think yeah. that's uh, Ryan's asking. Uh, Eli's asking before Ryan. I think uh, a couple is for you and the fans. Which wrestler diva needs a new theme song? <laughs> um, I can't think of anybody right now. I think. Uh, Maybe Alexa Bliss. So, new theme song? Yeah, new theme song. Which Randy Orton. Well, no, well, which female wrestler? Come on, man. A female wrestler? Yeah. Well, Alexa Bliss isn't bad. Uh, yeah, but it's, uh, I mean, it, out of everybody, Dang. I think. If Dang. I had to choose someone, it would probably be Alexa Bliss. I can't. Well, I, 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 well, maybe, maybe Bailey. If she's getting like a dark, more of a dark side now, I think maybe Bailey. Yeah, them darn Bailey buddies when we call them things are creepy. Yeah, (laughs) I still like Bailey, but yeah. Um, it's become evil. Will you like to see Hill, Miz, and Elias as a tag team like Jeff, Jared, and Owen Hart, or Mister Perfect and Flair? No, not at all. (laughs) Not not at all. Miz is face. Miz got his TV show. He got to be baby. They're going to keep Miz face for a while. Yeah. 
unfortunately, because I don't think it's leading him anywhere. Yeah, uh, I, I like him better than him. Yeah. But. Tammy says, I think Kofi's one of the few they're booking well right now. I agree with that. Um, Eli's asking, which wrestler would you like yeah. to see in 205 Live or NXT UK who aren't being used on the main roster? Um, I think Eric Hello, Young. Please. I think you put Eric Young on. Uh, I think you should reform Sanity in NXT UK. I think uh, I think Nikki Cross yeah. should eventually go there too. They're kind of doing something with her, but eventually you go with her husband. Um, I think that would be good. She looks weird. Yeah, she um, looks weird to me. She yeah, she needs to be for group. This doesn't yeah. work being a single. Yeah, singles now. Um. <clears throat> Ryan's asking, what do you think of a wrestler working for two or more wrestling organizations at the same time? How does that situation work as far as booking goes in terms of being contracted? Well, Cody Rhodes did that. Uh, he worked for Impact and ROH at the same time. Like, he was the definition of so an independent contractor. So did the Hardys. Yeah, they did um, with, uh, you know, they were with Impact and ROH, too. So, Omega did it. Um, so, yeah, I mean... And, and we're seeing it now. We're seeing people working for Impact and, um, uh, like, Booker T. Uh, Booker T's actually uh, collabing with Impact with uh, his uh, with his company. I mean, he's a WWE Hall of Famer. Was just was just WWE, was just on stomping grounds, you know, on the pre-show, and he's collabing with Impact Wrestling. Um, but, you have, Booker T does what he wants. I mean that, and that's that's how it's supposed to be. I mean, you're you're an independent yeah. contractor, being an independent contractor. I mean, like you, uh, you know, you have uh, uh, New Japan working with Ring of Honor, working with NWA. You know, what I mean, so it's that's independent. Like someone who can work in NWA, work in ROH, work in New Japan. Um, that's how you know. That's how you make your money. Um. All right, let me uh, a few more for the sake of time. Um, uh, Kimbo's asking, uh, "What happened to no rematches for championships?" Yeah, that was during the whole um, when they fired all the GMs and had the McMahon's takeover, which we haven't seen Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> so, um, or even Vince, but uh, when they had them take over, they. They ditched the uh, no rematches too. Yeah, it, um, it, it, like I said earlier, it, 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 WWE makes no sense. It is not about said this earlier on my show, and with the inside, it's not about storylines. It's filler. All of this is filler to October. I mean, you got people just downloading, getting downloaded to title matches. It's like Joe just download now. He's in the title match. How did he become number one contender again? Ziggler just downloading all we need Ziggler. So let me just download download you the title picture because Kevin Owens will go to Saudi Arabia. Corbin is just so much DLC. Take her download. You need to take a T because Extreme Rules is a Philly. You can't afford to get Reigns to be booed. You know, Philly does not like Reigns. Take it can take that heat off. There's so much stuff that's happening. It's like, what is going on? So it's it's so much stuff. It's like, what is going? What is going on? Yep. Um, all right. So let's see. Lex is asking both Jericho um, and Moxley spoke of the monies they were being offered with AEW. Um, 
yet none of the reporting media outlets have focused it. Uh, do you believe that this was the real reason for the move? Um, no, <laughs> I believe that the real. I mean, well, well, Ambrose, he he made it very clear that it wasn't a a, a money thing because he was, you know, he has been offered way more than. Um, I mean, he's he's still getting paid well. Um, but he was being offered well, way more in, in WWE, way more. Um, he's still making a a, a comfortable living for sure, but. Um, yeah. he, he's getting four million for five years. Yeah, so <clears throat> yeah, so that's uh, about eighty thousand. Eight, eight hundred thousand a year. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, but you know, he was making over a million a year in WWE. So, um, I mean, he, he made it clear there was he was unhappy. He was unhappy with uh, uh, <clears throat> creative decision to talk about Roman Reigns during his leukemia battle. He didn't mind putting Nia over, but he knew that that was a way to um, to really kind of make him look bad on the way out. He didn't like the way that he was putting Nia Jax over. He didn't mind doing it, but he didn't uh, he didn't like at all the the context of it. So he he was unhappy. It, um, here's the thing: you really think Ambrose is getting paid four million? for five years, and he gets to wrestle on the Indies, and he got and he got paid a $500,000 signing bonus. So you really think Vince was going to give Ambrose $4 million a year? No, he got, no, he got $4 million, nope. he got $4 million over five years. Right. So that's $800,000 a right. year. So, he, so he, he, he got more money in WWE. That's for sure, but mm-hmm. at the same time, um, uh, he's he didn't care because uh, what he was saying in on the Jericho podcast is that you know he knew that he was offered being offered more money um, even in, when he resigned his contract. He said he didn't even look in his contract because he was so miserable. He didn't want to even stay there. Um, he wanted to be free. Yeah, uh, he said he's feel he said he feels like he's eighteen again. <laughs> so. All right, real quick, uh, Michelle McCool endorses uh, uh, a bad Raw ratings uh, tweet that uh, a user put out, and she got pretty geeked about that, and uh, the, the Twitter user did. But Michelle McCool's even on the <laughs> uh, the tweet. Um, let me see the tweet. I'm going to read the tweet. The tweet said, WWE Raw ratings suck. You know what that means, and there's a button uh, to push uh, this says the Undertaker on it, and uh, <laughs> Michelle McCool liked it. So I think it's pretty uh, pretty clear about pe- how people what people think about uh, the WWE ratings. All right, um, real quick, this is probably going to take some time. We don't have much time left. Just give me your grades on Stomping Ground uh, on my Cray Wrestling page. Had a big. Um, I had a big uh, three-hour, either live reaction show on uh, Cray Wrestling. Uh-huh. This was actually uh, taken down, <laughs> but uh, I have a copy of it. If someone wants to, if, if someone who was a part of, of it, just give me yeah. your, give me your email, and I'll send you send you it. Um, <clears throat> the first 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 three matches with the A, 
after like the Rays match, or this was like a D. Uh, I think I'm still solid on the C minus. Overall C minus. Yeah, C minus. Yeah, overall C minus. Yeah, because to me it was just another. It was just a glorified Raw or SmackDown. Like a, a pay per view shouldn't feel like a, a an episode of Raw or SmackDown. And I think the problem is a lot of the problem is these pay-per-views, they just feel like an extension of Raw and SmackDown. There's nothing different um, that like, for instance, on stopping grounds, on stopping grounds, minus the steel cage match, because they don't have necessarily steel cage matches on Raw or SmackDown very rarely. But other than that being a gimmick match, um, there is nothing. I thought Raw was actually better than than Stomping Grass. I, I think Raw was was actually not too bad. Um, but yeah, I see minus. It wasn't. It wasn't good. Ryan says B plus. Cody says D minus. The main event sucked. Uh, GHP B minus. Eli B minus. Kimbo C. Tammy says the main event was awful. GHP uh, says B minus for consistent flow of the matches. Uh, the leader says B minus. <clears throat> um, all but right. shout, shout out to the uh, to the heavy machinery though, Otis. Yeah, let's talk about how big, how how much Otis got over him. Yeah, how Daniel did. Bryan still stayed as a heel, even though he was in his hometown and he loved it. But yeah, they were heavy machinery for that. They were still getting booed, but uh, it was it was a good thing. I think the ricochet move was really good. Actually, I think that was really good. Um, I think that, um, uh, I mean, setting that up for him and AJ was good. I think there's some more to see with that. I, I, I can definitely see. We'll talk about raw real quick. Um, but let me, let me address, uh, the interesting part to the, uh, Seth and, um, and, uh, Will Ospreay. So, um, I just recently wrote an article about the being the, uh, the complete timeline. So let's start off with, uh, May 28th. Um, so that's when, uh, uh, Moxley was on Jericho's podcast. Uh, and then, you know, of course that's been on the record as far as his gross frustrations with being in WWE. So on June 25th, uh, sports illustrated interview Rollins. And he said quite a bit, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote a little bit of it. First of all, he said, you can only sit back and read people bashing something you love for so long and sit there and take it and try to take the high road, so to speak. So he said quite a he said much more um, about Ambrose. But I, 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 there's a couple paragraphs that I want to read. He says, uh. I think it's a little presumptuous of him to get on a podcast and talk down about the company that gave him such opportunities. And he referenced some of those. He did talk about how he was thankful for the time he spent uh, here and the fact that he was able to learn, meet his wife and all that good stuff. Then he goes on and says, you need uh, to take the first step. And that's looking in the mirror and asking yourself. Did you do every single thing you possibly could could to make yourself in your situation and what you want it to be? If the answer is yes, you did. Then you can go somewhere else and complain 
And if you feel good about it, and if that's where he's at mentally, then go right ahead. But if he hasn't done that and looked in the mirror and made that decision, maybe he should uh, look, think about that. And that goes for any other disgruntled talent, past or present. So, <laughs> so that was uh, actually posted um, today. And then um, back at uh, 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 right after, a little, you know, a little bit after stomping grounds. Um, so based, he doubled down on his interview that was posted today. So, of course, it was recorded beforehand, but it was posted today. So he doubled down and said, uh, doubling down, best pro wrestling on the planet. See that cruiserweight triple threat, which was actually a pretty good match. And uh, and that and that's just one night, one match amongst the many. Find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do, uh, <laughs> as often as I do it. You can't. So uh, simply, uh, so, so Roll Osprey simply retweets. And says, I'm alive. And so that's created a firestorm <laughs> of just offensive uh, and condescending tweets. So yeah. Rollins comes back and says, ah, I'm sorry, little guy. We already have a better version of you here. And he just won the first U.S. title tonight. Congrats, Ricochet. Keep working hard, though, buddy. Um, and so, so uh, that was yesterday. And today, um, Osprey says a fact of the day: Will Osprey wrestle more matches than Seth Rollins? And that was that was late uh, yesterday. And then uh, Rollins responded like a twelve about 12.30 in the morning, um, and says, I mean, if you want to talk numbers, we can compare bank accounts too. P.S. That's counting a month off with a broken back, buddy. Again, I had no idea. Like, what was the reason to even talk about his bank account he, like that? Because he lost the argument. Uh, yeah, that's clearly why he lost the argument. Um, and so uh, Osprey re- responds, you love adding stuff, don't you? I mean, the original question, which makes perfect sense, and I agree with this, actually. You love adding stuff, don't you? I mean, the original question was, quote, find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do it, as often as I do it. No talk of money. No talk of ricochet. You said anyone. Here I am. Just as consistent. Just as good. Hope the pack heals up. Uh, and so... Um, uh, yeah, Tammy. And then he tried to say Osprey was disrespectful. We'll get to that. There's more. Uh, and so Rock, uh, uh, Mark uh, Raimondi of ESPN, uh, he posted some highlights for this interview. Um, uh, you know, this this reminds me of like, real quick, because we're, we're, we're pressing short of time here. This reminds me of uh, <laughs> someone who's like going through a sparring contest, like a uh, like a uh, a smaller guy doing like a your mama joke with like a bodybuilder, right? That's and so, and so, yeah. the, and so the yeah. smaller guy is just like eating him alive, like he is like going in on the bodybuilder, and so the bodybuilder just kind of like uh, 
pushes him around because he's like like he gets owned <laughs> like like uh he gets owned with your mama jokes this this is what this is what reminds this this reminds me of that like like you have the the, the little guy so to speak uh will osprey uh he he gets he's owning rollins uh in the in the in the banter and so rollins uh, he decides to bring out his bank account, which is totally irrelevant to the exchange exactly. as a way to right. say, well, my bank account's more, so that means that I'm better. No, it doesn't mean that you're better at all. <laughs> that does not mean it has nothing to do with anything. It's like watching the karate movies where you see you know, you have the main guy, you, you see two people in a karate movie, like Great Redemption or John Wick, and you they're like, all right, let's fight one-on-one, hands-to-hands. And then the bad guy gets his tail beat, and then he decides to take out a weapon and be cheap. Right. Come on, man. Right. <laughs> First of all, why you even... WWE tried to recruit Osprey before they brought Ricochet in. You go back in history, and if you said you're the best, why are you going to try to blind take Ricochet why the Rollins and ye man up and be like, all right, I feel like I'm the best. Osprey didn't do nothing. This is yeah. nothing. Say, hey, I'm alive. He's like, all right, well, maybe one day we'll find out or something. You bring your bank account? Come on now. And if I was, and if like, I was Ricochet, <laughs> if I was Ricochet, I'd be like, listen, dude, I ain't got nothing to do with this. <laughs> like, you know, listen, you don't, I do not put me in this web that has been created. I have nothing. And, I, and kudos to Ricochet too, because he, you know, he didn't even get into it. Major kudos yeah, to Ricochet, because he had nothing to do with this, <laughs> with this uh, exchange. Right. Um, and it's it's funny because uh, from the comments that he made from uh, 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 on ESPN, uh, <laughs> Jericho even came in and defended Osprey. Uh, he told uh, Seth Rollins. He said, um, he's actually taller and bigger than you. Just saying, <laughs> which is funny. Uh, and then Osprey yeah. played onto it and, and had a picture um, called a uh, little guy, which is funny with, of him. Uh, he had a picture of, uh, he posted a picture of him on his Twitter account uh, a little bit after Jericho made uh, those comments. So Wade Keller uh, from PW Torch, he wasn't happy about it. He said, this isn't a good tone at all. Yeah, Tim, he's, he's, he's selling the little guy's shirts, too, which is funny. Um, <clears throat> Keller said yeah, this isn't yeah. a good tone at all. If he wants to get people who love good wrestling, regardless of brand, to feel goodwill towards WWE strengths and his vocal leader. Buddy, little guy, disappointing in character, defining condescension. This is Hill Corbin promo content, which you can't it, disagree it, with it, that. And real quick, it's sad because it get. Let's go back to a year ago, Chris, and everybody listening. Remember when Roman Reigns was going back and forth with one of the meanest kids, you know, the Tonga? They had a Twitter beef. They kept consistent. Reigns didn't bring nothing out about a bank account. It was about promos. It went off about a day or two, and it died. Yeah. That's how you do an argument. Seth Rollins, and, and I like Seth in the ring. His voice is annoying as heck to me. Seth, you call us my little guy. Let's go back. If you wrestled in the 80s and WCW were doing the Hogan era, you would barely be making it as an IC champion. Yeah. There's no way you would be champ being in the ring with the Horsemen or the Legion of Doom, Sting, Dusty, Magnum, the Hart Foundation, Hogan, Warrior, Slaughter. Come on now. 
and, and then for you to, to bury your best friend Ambrose, listen to the listen to the interview, Rollins. He didn't bash WWE. He thanked them for everything he did. Who are you talking about? Ambrose was the creative. Yeah, well, you talking about the Ambrose? He was like, Look oh, Ambrose. I mean, he did some bashing. <laughs> he did some bashing. Yeah, that's, he, that's for sure. He, he, but, did, but, uh, but at the same time, his, but at the same time, like, but the right. same, I think here's the, here's the big thing with, with Ambrose. You should have kept it mm-hmm. with you and Ambrose. If it's a, you like, if, if that's a, like, okay, so yeah. this yeah, fire, right. this firestorm started with Osprey saying, hi, like defending himself. Like, hi, I'm alive. Like, I, I think I can go toe to toe with you. You know, I think that I could be compared to you as far as being the best, which a lot of people would say that Osprey is better than Seth Rollins. Now, don't get me wrong; I think Seth Rollins is fantastic in the ring. Um, yeah. Overall, is. you know, there's some some spots that you know he, you know, he did a big botch against the Goat, uh, which I will never, uh, <laughs> I will never forget. Um, but overall, Rollins is very solid in the ring. But I mean, yeah, Will Osprey can certainly hang with him for sure. Um, and so I think by him saying I'm alive, I think it could have sparked some really cool, friendly banter. Like, for instance, when Roman Reigns and right. Cody Rhodes had their, you know, kind of beef, so to speak. Right. Like, it wasn't crazy. You know right. what I mean? Like, you know, they, they made some jabs at each other, but it wasn't like, like, it didn't get, it didn't get to the point of, like, this crap. Right. Um, so, right. so for, for, so for time, let me just read these real quick. Um. So, so basically, Rollins even goes on with the Keller comment. He says, I don't care about goodwill, Wade. I care about respect. And if some kid who thinks he's got it all figured out wants to step to me, then he's going to get patted on the head and sent on his way, and so will you. Man, is, did, did Becky make you upset? Like, like what happened like do do, do, do I mean, what happened Seth do we need to talk do do, do you and I have to have a conversation like up? to me that just seems like a very uh con again a condescending emasculating uh comment that was unnecessary to me like I just I don't know it just seems like he's had a bad weekend or something he like a little kid um, you know, he, he sounds like like but an embrace some school brats that like there's like you just whining for there's no reason like shut up yeah like you work um, you world champ you got your boo bag with you and and now it's like you coming at the Ambrose and and now you you coming at the Osprey and now you calling people little guy and and buddy and and, and this kid come on man like and, and like Tammy said nobody ever called Seth out when he started in the shield he had the half blonde hair nobody did that to him it was. And I, I'm not hating on Rollins. Bell to Bell, Rollins is one of the best. He is. But I don't know, man. Yeah. It, um, <laughs> then Osprey at the end says, I just said I'm alive. <laughs> show of goodwill. Uh, <laughs> I'm happily. Uh, show of goodwill. Happily send your free t shirt balls. Extra small. <laughs> slide, in, slide into my DMs. Continuing to own Seth Rollins on Twitter. Uh, so yeah, very interesting and, and uncalled for firestorm. Uh, I would say mostly by uh, Seth Rollins, honestly. Um, all right, so we only have a few minutes left, so let's uh, storm through um, the Raw and SmackDown grades. Um, and so, what do y'all think, Raw and SmackDown? 
Now, real quick, Evan, what will you give uh, Raw and SmackDown? Uh, actually, Raw, I'll give it like a C plus B minus. Raw really wasn't that bad. I watched it today. Uh, I like the DLC pop up to the puppets, like the fire. Did y'all, did y'all see that? The, the firefly, mm-hmm. the little uh, puppets popping up. I like that. Uh, take it downloading was actually cool. Um, uh, AJ beating Ricochet. Um, and I mean, I, I thought I thought Raw was a bad. They said Raw was actually better than Stomper Girl. SmackDown. Uh, SmackDown was okay. Uh, I gave it about a about a C plus. Yeah. 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 I say I say uh, uh, B minus for for Raw. Um, I think it it wasn't as um, it didn't drag as much as uh, typically. Um, Usos and Revival was uh, solid, and then Elimination Match after that was solid, too. Uh, I like the build with Strowman and Lashley. I like this tug-of-war arm wrestling. Like, you're, you're actually giving some time into some feud, which I, which I like. I don't like the Lacey-Corbin mixed tag. You've already beat them, like, eight times. Why, why do they deserve another title shot? That was... Uh, uh, pointless, and then Joe attacking Kingston. Uh, you lost the U.S. title, but you get a WWE title shot. Okay, that that didn't make sense logically. Styles and Ricochet. Uh, I see some potential there, just because it seems like this could be a heel turn for AJ. So they're doing a slow burn. I'm all about slow burns. Like they, we're missing that in WWE. We're missing that in pro wrestling, specifically WWE. Slow burns. Um. And I like uh, I like take of course Taker coming back that was a good spot and I th- and I like this because this I don't know if this is going to happen it could I hope it does uh, I would be cool with this I would be cool with actually uh, Reigns doing most of the work Taker comes in cleans house somehow there's a the screwy something maybe Elias comes out or something uh, and actually. Uh, um, Actually, um, McIntyre does like a, a, a Claymore onto Taker, pins Taker. I'd be fine with Taker putting over McIntyre. Um, and then that sets up for Taker McIntyre at 36. I think that would be a good setup for them, too. Um, and uh, I'll be. I mean, I think Taker should win at WrestleMania, but I think that that would still be a real big moment for McIntyre because he beat Taker, you know, in a tag team match. So I think that would be a good setup. I don't think they'll do it, unfortunately, but I think it'll be a good setup. All right, and SmackDown, real quick. We got a few minutes left. I think SmackDown was uh, C solid. I'll say C, yeah. just a C. Um, yeah. I like the fact that they're doing the heavy machinery thing. The 24-7 thing is funny, but it still doesn't mean much. I can't stand the fact what they're doing with Ember Moon. I uh, can't stand it. Um, she got ton of present, a ton, ton, a ton of uh, uh, potential. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of that at all. Um, and then we've seen, I mean, the match was good between Kingston and Ziggler, but, yeah, you know. We we've seen that. Eighty three times. Um, all right, let's do the flavor of the week. We got a few minutes left. Let's do this. It is now time for the flavor of the week. Uh, 
we'll do the newest one on the PNP playlist. So here we go. All right. All right. So give me your five. Um, give me your five, Evan, on the worst uh, years in WWE. Uh, worst years in pro wrestling. I'm gonna say, yeah, most most of this for us. Everybody ready? The we can go. Number five, 1990. Sorry, my man, the goat Man, Robocop saved you. Rich Flavor can just y'all dog the problem. You don't know about that. Look it up. The Black Scorpion segment problem. Number four, 2009. All the whole year of all guest hosts in that game. Kane Kali feed the problem. Number three, 2011. I was at WrestleMania. Lizzie's chance. That was one of the worst WrestleMania. I'm sorry. Michael Cole was a King Lawler was his bad. Number two, 1993. Shock Man, more. And I'm good friends with good old Uncle Fred. Personally, uh, volleyball with Big and Davy Boy. Very segment. Problem. And of course, the White Castle said, we don't know where it's at. And the number one worst. Yeah, Professor Russell, 1994. Hogan versus Brutus. Brutus very said with the three kicks and Hogan himself in 94. He'd have seen more horrible year. 1994 is the worst year for Russell, in my opinion. Oh, nice. Stevie Ray agreed to that, too. <laughs> I just thought I'd add that. He wanted me to say it. He All doesn't right, real remember quick, that um, Let me do uh, 2011. Uh, WrestleMania 27 was was just bad. Lola versus Cole, few terrible. Summer of Punk had potential, but it ended with uh, Triple H and Kevin Nash bearing that, unfortunately. Uh, and I'm not a Punk fan. I've made that very clear, but there was some potential there. Uh, number four, I'll do 2018. Um, just WrestleMania 35 was just uh, not very good, minus uh, the mixed tag with Rousey and Angle and Stephanie and Triple H. Um, and their record low ratings, maybe just because it's just the build of it is just boring. Um, number three, I'll give uh, uh, nine, 1994 with uh, Starcade 94. <laughs> Uh, was just uh, that I mean that was a terrible ter- one of the worst pay-per-views ever um, and uh, number th- uh, two was uh, 1993 Wrestlemania uh, 9 was another terrible terrible pay-per-view uh, and number one is uh, 1995 um, uh, Bam Bam and LT was such a terrible uh, feud and then it didn't end because you had Diesel versus uh, King Mabel at SummerSlam, which is also very awful. You got Big Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got a row. Uh, it's been fun, as always, ladies and gentlemen. 378 episodes in the books. Big thank you to Wild Bill Irvin, Irwin to be on the show tonight. I hope you all had a wonderful time. Uh, yes, the, the Yeti. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Evitech Proud uh, on Undermat Radio, I am Chris Featherstone, 378 episodes signing off. Until next week, enjoy your week of wrestling. God bless, and always remember, I do it for you. Have a good night, everybody. God bless. Bye-bye. Good night, everybody.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.